Hot Tub Beers is meant for entertainment purposes with a side of beer education. Each episode may contain offensive and off-color humor. Our intended audience is people 21 years of older who love beer and laughter. <laughs> oh, welcome back to Hot Tub Beers. It's not very hot today. No. No, the water is cold. Uh, but this is a special episode of Hot Tub Beers. This is not just Hot Tub Beers. This is uh, Hot Tub Beers and How Not to Start a Brewery podcast. A correct? damn brewery. A oh, damn brewery. Don't, Excuse don't me. forget the damn. I forgot the profanity. I apologize, sir. Yeah. yeah, so here we are. It might be How Not to Record a Podcast uh, on the city street in the middle of everybody. I don't know. I'm not an expert on podcasts. I've done a few in my life. Uh-huh. This one's starting out to be by far the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, cheers to that, yeah, sir. I'll take you. Oh, my goodness. So what are, you, what are you drinking over there to warm up on? I know we got Lone Star, the uh, National Beer of Texas. Did we do introductions already? I don't, I don't know that we have done introductions. Uh, Wait, did we just fuck the whole format up already? Oh, no. it's, it's over. <laughs> this is the it's best It's ruined. <laughs> so we got Kelly of New Bravos Brewing Company. This is your podcast, the How Not to Start a Damn Brewing Company. Correct. We are, we're technically today's my day off. We are sharing podcasts today. So we are. You guys asked to record. I need an excuse to record, but I didn't want to record. And so, uh-huh. you know what? Let's drink beer and uh-huh. then also have tape rolling. Yes. Or, or digital, whatever you call it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Jake Thorne. I drink beer and talk about beer, and here we are. Yeah, and I'm still Tim. Still uh, Tim. Yeah, I haven't changed. I'm still drinking Lone Star. Uh, but we are here in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas today. Downtown New Braunfels, uh, Downtown New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, you know, Kelly's sporting a Speedo in the middle of downtown. How you feeling right now, Kelly? Free. Uh, free and open. God bless you, sir. And, and it only helps that my wife is over to the side laughing the whole time. Because um, if you can do anything, you should be able to make your wife laugh when you have most of your clothes on. Yes. Uh, That's what you want, right? Then, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my wife often laughs when I have most of my clothes on. Uh, I don't take the rest of them off in front of her just on purpose. Still uh, keep the lights off. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still embarrass her. Whatever gets the job done. Speaking of which, exactly, we should have Lindsay introduce herself as well. Oh, Lindsay, come on! You got microphones everywhere. Pick one. Just say hi. Hi. That's all you get. <laughs> yeah, I'm Lindsay. All right. <laughs> the wife. <laughs> and, so, and, the wife. and those of you who've read the book know that uh, she was there from the beginning. She got all those struggles and, and successes, but mostly failures in there as well. Um, and if you read the second edition, you'll hear a little bit more about that. So. Okay. So, but okay. So, Lindsay, we got you here. Now, give us the 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 highlight of the, the the one moment that stands out over these years of developing New Braunfels Brewing Company. What's what's the big moment that you walk away from, the first story you want to tell when somebody asks you about it? Oh, good Lord. It's probably how we started. Okay. And he caught me in a very weak moment. <laughs> Intoxicated <laughs> like, as well. And there I was... think he approached it like, hey, you want to start a brewery? It'd be kind of fun. All we have to do is like, do like one batch a month? And then we can roll, we can like literally put the keg in the back of a wagon and we can roll it out to all the local spots. Yeah, that's not true. In my defense, <laughs> I did do that a couple of times. Uh, but maybe twice. How did that work? Uh, yeah. I self-distributed at the bar down the street and just rolled it over there. Uh, <laughs> actually had a writer from the San Antonio newspaper, the Express News, that had like lived, he grew up, or she grew up on his street kind of. He lived down the street from us. So he did a, like a quick blurb story in that paper about me walking beer to the bar. And, it was, <laughs> and then ever since then, it went all downhill. Yeah. So what was what was the first beer that went out to the bar? Uh, so if you know Blondine, mm-hmm. Blondine started life as a German Hefeweizen. And uh, it was that beer called Luftweiss. Okay. So it's, Blondine is essentially that same recipe, but with aged tops and mixed culture now. Okay. So what was the original yeast? And I'll mainly bring this up for Tim, uh, the other Tim from St. Arnold that gets on to me about my, my talks about yeast often. Uh, you do a lot of t- yeast talking? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I just, it's, it's, it's I haven't such... known you long, but it's the first time it's come up. <laughs> oh, you go back go back and listen to Rika Heights. We, we got a little deep at, uh, in the middle of that oh, one. Oh, we did, we did in, in No Label, too. Yeah. yeah. I think it was such an underrated part of the whole process, of which the majority of what you do is uh, comes from the base of yeast, you know what I mean? Like there's right. so much vibrant flavor and nobody talks about that. So what was the original yeast you were using for uh, your Hefeweizen before it was Blondine? So there's only a small backstory to that, but when I decided I was gonna do a brewery, I was literally going to do either a brewery, a winery, or a distillery. And Texas wine in 2011 was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I only really liked Scotch whiskey and didn't want to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't want to move to California to make wine, I didn't want to move to Scotch to make whiskey, so I'm open to brewery. 
So the 85% kind of like regional, like TTB law that to call it a California wine, 85% of the grapes have to come from California. I took that concept that wouldn't that be cool if beer did that. So I decided early on what grew in Texas, okay, wheat, we got a shit ton of wheat, let's do wheat beers. And I tasted a bunch and I found out that I mostly didn't like Hefeweizens until I tried Beheshtapons. So the Beheshtapons yeah. Hefeweizen is fucking awesome. It's great. Yeah. And that well, is the basis for all of them. That was what inspired it. And so they all, they also banked that yeast and they sell that yeast at Buy Yeast uh, as 3068. So that is the yeast that I used for everything in the beginning. Nice. Was nice. Their yeast. That's actually great because I think that's what no label's using now. Yeah. I think it's good. It, it balanced clove and banana. I personally don't love the spice of a clove um, in my beer. So yeah. I also don't love savory stuff, which is why I don't like garlic in my pickle beers. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, same concept. I just I like kind of tropical, fun, um, light drinking beers, and so that's why like I picked a yeast that also kind of balanced that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that ends the yeast segment for today. Yeah, right. Hopefully, I don't bring it up two or three more times. <laughs> and oh. hopefully, like I don't know anything about much other yeast other than that one because we used it in uh, our mixed culture. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond that, it's just such an interesting thing, especially when you talk about Celis who smuggled in their yeast and right. like how many ways it is to make your beer what it is and it all starts with the bacteria that creates the alcohol you know and that's kind of a big deal. I actually had told more than one person um, and the last one was uh, drawn a blank on his name the guy there's a couple that had a yeast lab here in New Braunfels and I, they ended up moving to Colorado and I told him like dude you could literally open up the craft beer scene in Texas if you would just start doing yeast education seminars. Yeah. Because almost all of the bad beer I've had wasn't bad on, on brew day. It wasn't the hot side that was the problem. It was the seller that killed it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and especially, you know, in Texas being a young industry, that's a science-based part of it. It takes a little time and a little education to figure it out, and it's not near as much fun. So. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Daniel. Daniel was his name. Daniel. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Good guy. So, so as we're as we're moving forward, you kind of brought this interesting idea that, that I'm kind of digging. It's going to be different than what we've done on the podcast before. So we've got two versions of Blondine that we're going to start with today, correct? Mm -hmm. So tell us about this very first one that we're going to taste, uh, the, the age of it, and, and why we're tasting this one first. Sure. So I'm actually going to incorporate a uh, buddy in on this one, but I'll tell you right from the beginning. This is Blondine from 2017. And so... Uh, back in 2017 was the time when we started transitioning away from pure culture beer. So uh, we used to use Weiss 3068 for basically everything. This was initially brewed as Luftweiss. What's in that bottle was a Hefeweizen. And what we would do on bottling day is literally fill up about an inch at the bottom of uh, kind of finished sour beer. So it would have basically we would have finished filled the bottom of the beer up with a little bit of Blondine, mm -hmm. and then filled the rest of it up with um, like a Hefeweizen that still had residual sugar from the Saccharomyces, uh, which is an old kind of concept I didn't know then, which it's beer day coupage. You see some other guys releasing that. That's basically the same concept of what we did, but I didn't know what it was called. I just did it because it worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was back then, and I'm going to bring Nathan over because he might be able to tell you a funny story about that. Hey, Nathan. Yes, that's the right one. So that's, that's kind of a cool So How long did bottling day take if you're filling it like an inch? That's why we only did bombers. <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan, we're opening up a 2017 bottle of Blondine, which reminded Ooh, me. Nice. Nathan here is the, uh, if you read the book, he's the brewer that saved our brewery, hands down. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, oh, you're the guy in the flesh. I'm Nathan. I'm the guy, this the is guy. Nathan. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Nathan. Nice I'm Tim. Time. Hi, Tim. Are you wearing cargo shorts today, by the way? I, you know, I, there's never been a day where I haven't worn cargo shorts. I started in the winters in Wisconsin and Never looked back. God bless you, sir. <laughs> I mentioned that in the book, too, that he always has cargo shorts on. But anyway, so Nathan was a brewer that oversaw this transition. So this is 2017 Blondine, which would have been the time frame where we were still filling it up with a little bit, about an inch of Blondine at the bottom and then topping it off with Luke Weiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So remember those stories? You like Obviously, this was my idea conceptually back then, and you obviously, have taken, taken yeah. it and fixed it up a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I kind of came on board right during the transition into the whole like uh, wild fermented aspect of, of New Braunfels history, and uh, this was sort of the stepping stone into that. And this is when we were really starting to refine and get Blondine dialed in, just because it is the base for so many other of the awesome beers that come out of here. And right after we started doing this, we actually took a, one of the fermenters 
and started solaring, doing a solera method on the on the, the beer there, where we just always leave a little bit of blondine in the tank and fill it up after that. So not only was it you know a, an ongoing beer, but it was a continually evolving beer because the, the microbes and stuff in that tank were doing their thing, and I think it ended up being a super nice base. But this is kind of the origin of that whole aspect of New Braunfels brewing history. We still have that tank on, by the way. So oh, a, do we? It's a thousand gallon tank and it has never been emptied since. So What's that now, like a, a four year wow. solar? Yeah, something like that. Nice. Wow, that's kind of cool. So that's what, if you drink Blondine now, it essentially came out of that tank still. So there's some of this beer is still in that, you can make the argument, very yeah. little, but some of this beer is yeah. still in the beer today. Wow, that's kind of cool, man. Like it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's it's got its own history, its own DNA coursing throughout all these say, bottles. Would you call this an actual living history? I, I think you would. Oh, I, yeah. I think that's fair to say. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> Today so on the podcast, the living history of Blondine. Yeah. <laughs> and we're starting with, with the birth. This is, okay, so I cheated a little bit. I, I drank a couple of Blondines before we got in the hot tub. Yeah, a couple? Yeah. So you got the new one. I got the new one. This is, it, it is, it's much darker in color. Now, is that because the, there's only a little bit of the sour culture and a lot of the, the old Hefeweizen that you used to do? Or is this just the aging process or what has changed the color in it? Well, when we, change, when we taste the ones that are further back, like we, I think Nathan and I both did a, a vertical with some, a group of our Sour Junkie Society people maybe two, three years ago now. Um, and we got as far back as 2015. And you can taste oxidation. So there definitely could be a percentage of oxidation on it. Okay. Um, our the way we filled the bottles was very much by hand, not at all by machine. And so you would have some oxygen pickup. Um, but it, I mean, it's definitely the the body's different than it is now too. It's a little heavier. It is a little heavier. So I, I do have to mention though, when you, when you brought up oxidation, uh, you know, oxidation is obviously fair, viewed as bad a lot of times, but I think there is more than an acceptable amount. I think there's an amount where it really kind of adds to the, the whole picture of the beer. And I feel like, the amount of oxygenation left on this beer itself is very pleasant. It really plays into the grand scheme of all the flavors that go into it. Yeah, there's definitely not any vinegar or acetic acid, like negative side effects to it, but I don't know, Nathan, what do you think? Well, I think, uh, especially- probably, You probably brewed this, so technically you should talk about it. <laughs> especially in wild fermented beers, I think any kind of oxygen pickup you might get as the beer ages, as long as it doesn't evolve into acetic yeah. or like unpleasant flavors, actually uh, just sort of helps promote the Britannomyces into like further breaking down things. I mean, it's still working in there. This is still a living beer, even for as long as it's been in the bottle. So it's just continually evolving. And I think that, you know, you have a Russian Imperial Stout that's starting to oxidize. All of a sudden you're getting cardboard and sherry and something that's maybe not tasting real great. Some wild fermented beers, you get vinegar and that's its own thing. But this, I think it's just really sort of picking up some like nice fruit notes. And I think if it's oxidized at all, it's, it's only been beneficial as far as that goes. And, yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, I do think that's why this one's a little darker, but it's not reading as unpleasant at all. I get a lot of like big fruit and melon and all kinds of stuff off of it. So. Yeah, I do too. And, 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 and I didn't mean to, I didn't mean that, I don't know. I didn't mean that the darker color was pulling away from it. I just noticed that it was darker. It's, you're right, there is a lot of uh, like depth to this one. That the newer one, and, and well, I won't talk too much about the newer one because I know we're going to have it next. But there is this seems a little bit more complex. There's a lot more depth to it. There's a lot more flavors that are popping through. And like you said, it is a heavier body. It is a heavier mouthfeel, but it doesn't it doesn't weigh you down. It's not a Russian Imperial. It's no. still clean. It's still nice to drink uh, in a hot tub in the middle of uh, downtown New Braunfels. In July. In July. Hell well, yeah, dude. If you ever been to Texas in July, you will not know the the, the weight of that statement. This but is it, an unseasonably cool afternoon in uh july. in july in texas it halfway is. through july it is unseasonably cool. yeah we haven't hit the 90s yet i don't think today which is unusual for what what time is it? it's 12. is it that late already yeah it's that late already uh. yeah it's 12 and, and we're not in the 90s yet it's a good day in, in texas mm -hmm. we'll take it for sure absolutely so as the brewer and we talked about this before you are in well both of you now that, that we've got both of you here when you imagined this beer when when you first conceived it to where it is now and you tasting it after having been in the bottle for years is this what you imagined how close to the mark is this for you i think for me it's the i wouldn't have been able to predict that the mouthfeel had gotten heavier like that uh-huh um, but i like what it did it, it for me it almost has more of a lemonade character where it's a little bit meatier on the tongue um, then it is lighter and more kind of wheat forward delicate that it is today on the newer ones, but I think it's awesome. Um, and if you had asked me back then, I would have told you 
we were bottling all of these very young. I mean, conceptually, what we were doing with them was bottling it young. So it had time in the cellar before it was going to evolve. And at the, with that, my palate in 2017 and my limited experience, I had no fucking clue where it was going. But yeah. I knew it was going somewhere good. Or I hope yeah. it was. Yeah. No, I think I think it did go somewhere really good. I I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I, I to me, it feels maybe because it's older, right? But it's it's almost more sophisticated than than the fresher versions of Blondie. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think one of the things, you know, Kelly was really accommodating when I came in because like. I had some ideas of what we could do with the different beers and how we could sort of change them and I didn't do anything major from a, a, a recipe redesign standpoint on too many beers but uh, this one we actually pared it down a little bit from, from where it was just to make it a little more uh, indicative of the style we were trying to go for especially as we started moving towards uh, wild fermented yeah. stuff and so um, this one I think was still the core Luftweiss recipe which had a little bit more going on in it. And you know, we use fresh hops too, so it was a little different in that yeah, regard. Yeah, we use fresh hops, so it wasn't like massive recipe changes, but this is about as old school as it gets. Because this is when I was still brewing Kelly's original recipe with before we tweaked it a little bit. Uh -huh. And uh, you know, this is almost you think we should have gone back to that just because it's got some nice depth, it's got a lot of character going in it. And that's the nice thing about these kinds of beers is you never know what's going to happen as they, you know, evolve in the bottle. But it was a real, you know cross your fingers and kiss the sky and hope that it hope that it works out kind of thing when we started but well in in, in, in the book <laughs> kelly credits you as kind of helping save the brewery right helping develop these beers and, and get them out and get them where they need to be when when you first signed on with them and y'all started working together was sours your thing is that where you wanted to go with it or did you take what you had and just kind of started building uh so i my first professional brewing gig was in uh place called three stars brewing in washington dc okay and i actually started the sour program there and oh, nice. as a home brewer i'd been brewing sour beers a lot so I, I had you know not a huge depth of knowledge but i at least knew my way around the block a little bit and um really kelly again was just like we, we want to make changes we want to make the best sour beer we can so one of the first things i did was and i think kelly told this story in the book too was there's a beer we had called what was the one we dumped barrels of black fury black fury and he wanted me to like put together a blend of this Black Fury, and almost every single uh, barrel was acetic. And so I was like, we got to dump these. We can't put these bottles out. And that was kind of the, uh, the pivotal moment in our brewing relationship, because if he had said, no, we got to keep these, I would have been like, well, we're not ever going to make the best possible sours we can if we let all of this potentially negative character come in. Sometimes a little bit of acetic is a positive thing, but these were just straight up balsamic vinegar. They weren't fun. And that's what we try to do is make sort of like fun and interesting beers to drink. And so from that kind of jumping off point, I knew that we were going to have like a good collaborative relationship. And everything we tried to do after that was just refining and cleaning up and making the best possible versions of the different beers we were making. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to kind of go on that journey. That's kind of cool. And I'll say this as a consumer, it is, it is, we appreciate the integrity of the brewers that are like, all right, if this isn't good, we're going to dump it. We're not going to remarket it or rebrand it and put it out in the community for, for people to drink. Because we've, I know Jake and I have both heard stories about people in the Houston area, because we went through the snowpocalypse down there. We're not, uh, we're, we're not uh, used to snow that, that bad. And breweries lost power. Some of them, you know, the beer messed up, they dumped it. Some of them, the beer messed up. They rebranded it and put it out anyway. And uh, we as consumers really do appreciate the integrity of, of guys like y'all. They're looking at it saying, all right, this isn't something we're going to put out to the consumer. Let's dump it, start over, and put out something great. So well, That's part of why in the book I talk about how important it is to have a guy like Nathan, especially for a guy like me, because I'm a sales guy. And so we go through my mistakes over and over. But one of the mistakes specifically with that beer is this was during the time when I had already... I sat down with every distributor and I said, okay, look, here's my output. Here's the volumes to expect. Here's the dates to expect it on and how much you want. And so I got commitments from my distributor. And you'll find out later that didn't work. But we were in the heart of that where when I sampled through these barrels and Num Nuts over here is telling me we got to dump 80% of it out. And I'm like, <laughs> that distributor already told me he's going to write me a check for four grand. Yeah. I literally go, I trust you, but I need to walk out of the building right now. And I left. I was like, I, yeah. can't, I can't stand here. You just do it. I don't want to watch you do it. When I come back, let's have whatever we have, and we'll sell that. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even watch your first dump. Oh, I couldn't. I was. It was painful. Yeah. Of oh, course. Shit. I mean, that's that's what hardens you, though. Yeah. 
But that's cool. I, I think I had an episode when I had Ernesto Villarreal and Matthew Sistos in the hot tub. And we were talking about Ernesto's an accomplished chef. Uh, he's opening up a new place in Columbus, Texas. He used to be the head chef at uh, Thistle Draft Shop. And we talked about, you know, leadership and not having, you know, him and his relationship with Matthew. And Matthew didn't always agree with him, and that was good. It made him better. I think that's fun to watch that. Like, you, you got to be, if you're going to do something like this, and it may be, you know, part of not starting a, you know, how to not start a brewery is you, you got to listen to other people, right, if you're in a leadership position. Because sometimes we're not always right, and it's good to have people to bounce ideas off of that aren't going to be yes men. Yeah, well, and the argument is if you, if you can't do that with your brewer and you're the guy that hired him, you're the problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's it's not, it's not your brewer that's a problem. You hired the wrong guy. Well, man, I, you know what? I'm really glad, Nathan, that you're, you're here, that you're that you're able to share stories about this beer with us, man. Yeah. Well, no, thanks thanks for letting me come on and, and kind of talk about it. It's kind of fun going down uh, down memory lane here. But, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I've uh, I've started a new brewery up in Dripping Springs, Texas, and, and I got to give Kelly a bullet of credit. Like, he literally wrote the book on how not to start a fucking brewery. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a lot of, I mean... Personally, he had a lot of conversations with me about things we were running into, and you know, anytime you get into a, a partnership with other people, it's almost like being in a marriage. And Ke Kelly was a good uh, marriage counselor as far as some of that went too. But <laughs> it's all working out, and, and uh, yeah, it's been a totally invaluable kind of uh, kind of working relationship and friendship too. So yeah, this is, this won't be the first time that I think hot tub beers has kind of devolved into uh, relationship advice and things of that nature. So yeah, I, I appreciate you. Gonna be the Steve Harvey's of beer. Uh, it's, it's possible. There you go. Or are we gonna be Jerry Springer? Little we kids doing Jerry Springer of beer. <laughs> if this hot tub isn't flipped out of the back of here and punches oh, our beer yeah. by the end of this, it that might be wrong. the new tagline. Yeah. Wait for our studio shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if you haven't noticed, we don't edit on this podcast. So, like, if there if there is a brawl, it will be it will be recorded and, and preserved in all uh, all its beauty. I hope you're there the first brawl that ever happens. As you are. I really do. As you are. <laughs> I just feel like you'd be like one of the most enthusiastic spectators of the whole sport. Well, and I've been in this industry forever and I've never broken a bottle over someone's head. I feel like that that's a rite of passage. Yeah. If you're going to oh, be in a shit. brawl, I've seen your bottles, brewer, dude. Yeah. You're going to hurt somebody. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even my hand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, gentlemen. I got I to bounce out, but it was good talking to yeah. you. Well, before, oh, before you take oh, off, yeah. how do people find Fitzhugh? Oh, so uh, yeah, uh, the new brewery that I'm at is called uh, Fitzhugh Brewing. It's up in uh, Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, on Fitzhugh Road. We're just down the street from Jester King, so if you're already in town going to Jester, just go a little bit farther down the road and you can find us. Big white building looks like a church, so. Hell yeah, we're going to steal your church. information it from... It is a church, uh, yeah, the, the Church of Beer, so. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. We need to steal your information from Kelly. We need to take a trip down there. We need to bring the hot tub. Please do. I'll, 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 I may not rock the Speedo, but I will get in the hot tub with you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, we did forget to mention I'm in a Speedo. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had to bear witness to this Speedo the entire time, which is a side of Kelly I never So he brews in the Speedo? Uh, you know, I he's brewed really late at night. And he used to work out a lot. I can't vouch for that, but it probably happened at some point. You heard today. it first here on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Kelly brews in his speedo. So Cheers, we're going to take a quick break. Cheers, Nathan. Nathan, thank you. Cheers, man. We're going to come back with the 2021 version of Blondine. Let's do it. Here at Hot Tub Beers, we have declared the pandemic over, and when the dust has settled, this old draft shop is still standing. This unique craft beer bar located at 5210 FM 2920 in Spring, Texas, is still pouring some of the best beer in the state. And in spite of everything that's been thrown at the beer and restaurant industry lately, owner Mary Thorne has continued to create a community of clientele that makes you feel at home every time you step in the doors. Beer buyer Jake Thorne is continually bringing in incredible offerings, sure to impress everyone from the new kid on the block to the most seasoned craft beer aficionado. Haven't been able to find a beer you like? Their selection of ciders, wines, and seltzers will not disappoint. Beer's not the only trick this pony plays. No one in the area can rival the food coming out of the kitchen. From Vietnamese wings to oyster po' bows to brats with house-made sauerkraut, there is something for everyone in the family. Check out the menu at thistledraftshop.com and follow on Instagram at thistledraftshop. Pop on in. I'm sure we'll see you there. All right, welcome back. So we're still, we're still here on... Uh the the dual podcast uh dueling podcast today the uh how not to start a damn brewery podcast what on top of the hot tub beers podcast so in the first segment we tried 2017 blondine and so 
I'm gonna do my best to kind of describe what we were drinking there. It was your original Hefeweizen recipe with a little bit of sour beer in the bottom of the bottle. You filled the rest with your original Hefeweizen and it was aged four years, correct? Correct. Did I get that? Okay, so now we're pouring 2021 Blondine. So kind of tell me a little bit about the evolution of this beer and why this one just from a recipe or brewing standpoint is gonna be different from what we tasted. Sure. In there, that last segment. So, as every, pretty much everything I like to talk about, I like to be long-winded, and I, for some reason, have this that works ridiculously sadistic need to always talk about shit I did wrong, or, or is that masochistic? That would be masochistic. That's, yeah. Um, and so, the Blondine originally was in 2015 for our anniversary party, which I don't like math, so you tell me what year that was. But we, during that time, we had bottled a shitload of bombers of. Our Lufweiss Hefeweizen, our Shiva's Tears Weizenbach, and our a couple of cases of bombers of our Air Device, um, which is a Dunkelweizen. And it was during the time I started experimenting with sour beers, as as much as I was being sloppy with cleaning protocols. And so, um, about two and a half weeks into the bottle, the week before the party, we were supposed to release all these beers and bombers. They we opened one and they were all sour. And we we're like, well, fuck. And I was like, oh, this is the end of the world. I'm screwed favorite brands is already picking this shit up my distributor in Houston at the time um, what are we gonna do and one of my employees our employees so Lindsay hired him price uh, he literally said well yeah but it tastes good and that <laughs> was the epiphany I went to the drawing board all weekend made new labels for all three of these beers we called them Blondine Uber and um, what the hell was the air device one called we don't make Schwartz we don't make that one anymore and uh, we ended up walking around the party sampling with people they loved it and so in 2017 we were still doing it essentially that way so that process was designed on how to recreate the accident now with this beer we've worked it over where again we do the Solera and so we're brewing into an old batch of beer constantly uh, allowing that to ferment it takes usually four to four to five weeks sometimes six depending on the concept and then uh, literally bottling that out so the main difference is this never had pure culture yeast outside of what might still residually be living in this brewery. Okay. But that Yeast 3068 has not been brought in here from a laboratory in four years now. And there's 100% aged hops here. So I've got my like 100 and something pounds of aged hops in my outside storage unit uh -huh. that just sits there in the heat, gets hot and funky, goes in the cold. And so these are very old hops. Like the average is six to seven years. Do you want to describe uh, the importance of that? Yeah, well, so, I learned uh, throughout the ages, kind of, or you know, throughout the few years, like what we did with that. The concept is that when you age the hops, you don't get the aroma, you don't even really get the bitterness to an extent, it's knocked down, but you get all of the aseptic qualities. So in a mixed culture beer, it allows it to be bone dry, the fruitiness of the yeast to come through, but it keeps the acidity at bay. So bacteria doesn't like hops but you can't put enough fresh hops in a beer to keep bacteria at bay without it tasting like shit, or like a IPA, which I think tastes like shit. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> oh. You heard it here first. <laughs> so the idea is it keeps it less acidic without being bitter. Um, and so now. Yeah. Which it, the major guys are doing too, you know, Cantillon, Dry mm -hmm. Fontaine, and everybody else. Like that's that's a real old school technique that Kelly's dove into. Yeah, I didn't invent it at all. That, yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. So main main differences, right? The aged hops, and this is not a pure culture yeast at all. At all. This is a culture of yeast that grew, is indigenous to downtown New Braunfels. I completely caught it by just leaving wort exposed to our air, and now it's it's evolved. This same beer used to take eight weeks to ferment, but as our mixed cultures gotten used to the pH, the basic grist case um, protocols, and all like everything we're doing on the hot side. It's gotten a little bit more efficient and better at eating the sugars that are in that beer, so it tends to happen in four to five weeks now. So let me ask you this other question before we dive into Blondine or the 2021 and how it tastes. So you mentioned the beer Schwartz that you no longer continue brewing anymore, right? Correct. And so, which kind of bleeds into your podcast about how not to start a damn brewery, and you're interviewing breweries that did not make it that are canceled. So you got to cancel beer. So kind of tell us. You know, why did you decide that that beer is no longer valuable on that market? Was it a mistake or was it a choice on your own? And tell us about your podcast about 
brewing or interviewing these these breweries that didn't make it and what have you have you learned anything from them to to kind of build your own brewery that was a massive question sorry i apologize it's like nine four questions tiers. Yeah. It started, nine it started question from one. when you first started to how you are now and everything in between what's well, your whole it's, book it's, about okay so it, it, it started <laughs> in the root when you mentioned training. your beard yeah when you mentioned your beard it started taking root and then it started building in my head as i'm going so I guess take take it as we're going. Let's start with Schwartz. Why did it get canceled? And then let's move on to breweries that have been canceled. Did it truly get canceled or just temporarily? It didn't get canceled like in the uh, TikTok, Twitterverse version of like cancel culture. Okay. Uh, it got canceled simply as one of the lessons I think that every brewer has to learn is there are a few ways to, to build a brand. Almost all of them require sort of forcing it to the lips of the consumer. And at some point, if the consumer doesn't get it on their lips and then go to retail and buy it, all you're doing is continuing to invest in a dying brand. You can keep doing that, and brewers are doing it every day. You can go to our grocery store here in town and see uh, a myriad of brewers doing it right now, tasting people on beer that doesn't move, and that's why they're there. Are you talking you about St. Arnold Amber? I'm sorry, <laughs> did I say that out loud? <laughs> There's actually, we could sit here all afternoon and go through a list of them uh, that I'm talking about. Uh, but... So honestly, what ended up happening is I uh, we would sell that beer to retail. Uh, we've got our hurdle rate on what sells, what doesn't. I know what my depletion rate is at my liquor stores, and it just was the dog in the portfolio. So the option was invest in someone to go sample this beer, give it away on premise at bars and restaurants to you know, whatever we have to do to get people to taste it, or simply cut the motherfucker and move on to something that's spending my valuable time be better spent on. Yeah, it's like, the ROI. Like know? Pickle Fucker in this case. Yeah. You know, if I were to invest half as much effort in Pickle Fucker, it would return four times the investment. So why am I, why would I even bother with Schwartz? Yeah. I still think it's a cool beer. There's still nothing else like it in the market. And then there may be a time when like for the Bottle Club, we can release it again. I still have the recipe, we can have fun with it. But the reality is that the market isn't drinking a middle alcohol dark sour uh, right now. Do you have any, you know, chillin'? I don't uh, currently. Oh. Podcast over, guys. Sorry, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I do have his big brother Uber that's in there at okay. some point. So yeah, oh, nice. So okay. Uber was the nine percent alcohol version of it, and that nine percent alcohol at retail sells itself occasionally, at least thirty percent of the time. Consumer goes, "What the fuck is this? Oh, nine percent? I don't care. I'll try it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least if I'm gonna get a buzz, I'm in. Yeah. Right. Which is his biggest benefit. Because once you like a 9%, you can't have too many of them. So getting that initial, oh, it's 9%, I'm going to try that, that really kind of helps the mood. You know, it's, a, it's it's hard. The higher ABV you get, it's a little bit harder to actually sell. You know, and I can sell 15% stouts all day, but let's be real, we're only selling one or two at a time. Like, and usually it. at 8 ounces of pork. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't you don't crush 15% beers? I do. I actually, do. I actually have case stacks in my house of 15.5 up to about... 21, 22, and I got case stacks in the house for it, which is obviously a, a super irresponsible. But I'm at home, so fuck y'all. I so guess. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, fuck us, dude. Yeah. Fuck oh us. fuck. We're not at Jake's house, so we can't crush 15% beers. What a bitch. What a bitch. I've never even invited to Jake's house. <laughs> I, I don't think I've invited neither. anybody. I don't yeah. Think. That's because of all the high alcohol uh, beer. Yeah, that's yeah. Go. They'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I got two guest beds made up, one futon and a couch, so four of y'all can stay. Nice. <laughs> so, Uber, your 9% beer, was Uber a thing when when uh, when you named it? Because uh, if, no. if you're going to drink a lot of it, you might need to Uber home. 2015 is when we named it. Or nice. I named it. So, yeah. yeah. It, it literally, uh, the, those beers at the time, I looked up what some of those things meant in German. So those are German oh. versions of the word I wanted to use. And Uber was just big motherfucker, basically, was okay. what it translated That's to. That's Uber with the umlaut, right? Yeah. So you, you made the decision to cut Schwartz based off of, you know, it's it's not selling, it's not moving off the shelf. Now, some of these other breweries that you've talked to, that you've interviewed, that are no longer in production... Um, are, are you seeing that happen with them? They're like trying to push beer that's not selling? Or what is one of the biggest things that you've seen going on to them that was, you know, a detriment to their success? Yeah, well, so admittedly, I'm, I'm five interviews in, so I'm just starting the concept. But okay. um, as of right now, some of the guys I've interviewed and some of the guys that I've targeted that I know I want to interview, that's a lot of it. It's, it's, and, and some of that comes from the distributor. The distributor's not willing to support certain brands, and that's a big part of what people don't, kind of realize, I think Noble Ray, the owner Chris and I talked about this, is that it doesn't matter how badass of a beer you make, you tell your distributor on March 1st that it's available and he says, eh, 
my warehouse is kind of full. Yeah, I don't yeah. want it. There's nothing you can do. And so even if he quote unquote committed to buying it, or she, I'm not trying to be sexist, but if he or she had committed that's to buying episode. it. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe later. In fact, that's the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sexist racist episode coming up next. Go ahead. But so that's a problem. Um, then the other problem is, yes, yeah, so there's guys that they get tied to something that checks a box or they think tells the story of their brewery that, you know, we are a German brewery, so if we don't have a Hefeweizen in the stable, we ain't shit, so we got to have a Hef, even though the Hef doesn't move, right? So at some point, you're, you're tying your success or failure to something arbitrary, and I'm the first guy to say that you shouldn't make a, a double milkshake, Snicker bar, uh, diabetes glass of fucking garbage. But oh, that's I'm my glad favorite you added type garbage. of beer. Yeah. Son of a bitch. As opposed garbage. to going out of business. I love lactose milkshake Do you sours like with Snicker bars in them. Huh? You like diabetes? I mean, at this point in my life, before I've contracted it, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not opposed. Not opposed. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Slightly before. Not opposed. <laughs> Slightly before. We're Is that a comment on my weight, Kelly? <laughs> no. More, more an obvious lifestyle. When you're, you're planning on drinking a shitload more, you're going to get it. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, well, that's kind of cool. So, if, if, if so, you said the concept is very early. How has the process been? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been learning? Have you been meeting some cool people? I think it's uh, by far going to be one of my favorite careers. Is this, and in, and a big part of it is that when I and I mentioned this in the introduction of my book, but when I started reading brewery books, the how tos, the stories of you know the dogfish guy, the Lagunitas guy, the Brooklyn beer guy. These are all guys that have been very successful and they've done a very good job of building a, a brand and clearly a legacy. These, these brands that last forever. Um, there's nothing in there for me. They, yeah. Everything that I read did not prepare me for six months in when I was making shitty beer on a two-barrel system and I couldn't figure out how to make it good. What do I do? Well, there wasn't a book for that because I'd already read all the fucking books and didn't help. So that, I think what and what's been cool is that the guys I've interviewed have all been on the same page that what we're trying to create content-wise and the lessons we're trying to teach don't exist, and they should. Yeah. Like, this is a book that, if you if I had read it in 2011, I would never have convinced my poor wife to open a brewery. And if <laughs> she had read it, she would never have allowed me to open a brewery. <laughs> so, uh, and, and everyone well, kind of... Well, thank God the beer wouldn't, or the book wasn't written back then. Yeah, you can make that argument. Um, I think that there's... It's been a great run, and I'm very happy with what we've accomplished. Um, I just wish it hadn't... Have, it, there were a lot of very dark moments in the journey, right? Right. So. Well, I mean, hats off to you for persevering through the dark moments and coming up with something cool. You know, and I'll come back to Blondine. Like, this is the light at hey, the end of the tunnel. Your glass is almost empty, by the like, way. My glass is almost <laughs> empty. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I got you. This oh, nice. I got you. I, you know, tasting this one and, and putting it up against the 2017 version, obviously this is a lot more light. This is a lot more bright. Uh, than the 2017 version. Um, There's some yeast in that part. That's good. Yeah, it's it's it, it is definitely a little bit more crisp, but I don't know. I, this may be a cop out. The 2017 feels like the uh, the more mature, aged, wiser, older brother, and this is just the young brother coming out to uh, to have some fun. Blondine is this one is far more crushable than the 2017 version. Um, but super light, super clean, super crisp, great, bright flavors on this one. Yeah, but the acidity, I think, is a little more restrained. Okay. So it's there, and it's definitely got that kind of lemony tartness to it. But it with the addition of the aged hops, I'm still kind of dialing in where I want that acidity level to be. Because you don't, and, and back in the day, and, and actually, well, I guess you could say that, now what you see is, quote-unquote, sour beer is covered up with so much sugar, it's no longer sour. But when we kind of started doing... You mean doing, lactose? That's well, yeah. Know, I'm glad you brought that up. I think we need to end this this parade of people calling stuff sours when they're not sour. Well, they're when the final smoothie. product's not, right? No. If you put a, a like a slab of ribs on the smoker for 12 hours and then marinate it in chocolate overnight, that's dessert now. <laughs> it's no yeah. longer fucking ribs. It's fine. You can yeah. still eat it, and no, no one should make fun of you. Yeah. But don't call it fucking ribs. It's now dessert. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Like the uh, double strawberry smoothie sour there's nothing sour about it it's just a sugar bomb that that they threw extra sugar in on top of the sugar aren't we drinking it's... that in the next second segment Ooh, should we are we talking about martin house <laughs> that was that Don't... was not nearly as bad as what i'm talking about okay yeah 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 no i'm talking the actual super thick like rip your teeth like sugary quote unquote sours yeah no i agree so so that's the idea i wanted this to be a little more restrained and balanced yes um there's a lot of things that we do with blondine down the line 
and I tell people when they come in the tasting room, this is the soul of the brewery. So if you taste seventy percent of the beers we make, they are a derivative of this base flavor. So this this beer's got to be on point, and yeah. if it's not, my brewery's in trouble. Well, I mean, from the glass, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, your brewery's safe. Now I'm just one man. <laughs> But uh, it, it, one and a half. One and a half. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It was. It, that was is, about your weight. You, you that was it up. about my you weight. You brought it up earlier. Oh, so, son yeah. of a bitch. I, I, I think about like a, I don't know. The, the pandemic. I, I got tired of exercising during the pandemic. I'm done. You know. I think I might ride my bike maybe 10, 15 miles a week, and that's about it. Yeah. And then the last time I went and rode, I stopped at a brewery halfway. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I stopped off a of White Oak Bayou, went into New Magnolia, had a few beers, kept riding. That's great. If if that's what exercise for me is in my forties, I'm I'm fucking fired up. That's balance right there. That is balance. So. Say, yeah. My wife told me it didn't count. I said, well, no, it, it does. It does because I said it does. Well, it, I define me. And that defend depends on the argument. So it, she's saying it doesn't count because you did the exercise and then put the beer back in. Correct. But what she's forgetting to mention is that you would have had the beer anyways, and so you just would have had it at Good home. Good call. So the fact that you had to ride there to get the beer, now you've zeroed it out, you still rode home. That's a net positive in my I did, case. yes. Mm. You heard it right here on the podcast. It's not like Riding your bike to breweries is exercise. That's it is right. exercise. It is. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Compared to 2017, how's 21 sitting? I like the maturity on the 17. I really did. It made it drier. Uh, that tiny bit of oxidation we were talking about. Uh, it's surprisingly crushable. I hate using the word surprisingly. I really do, but it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, I can almost drink this at the same pace I would a Pilsner or somebody that drinks a lot yeah. of freaking Pilsner. I, it's like, it's right up there. This one, um, how young it is in comparison, it's very good. It's very tart. It's, it's very drinkable. I would love to see how this one, this version, takes on two or three years, you know, to kind of tone down the, the tartness on it, but still have that crushable effervescence that, like, the, excuse me, the real easy approach, you know? Yeah. So I like it. Well, that's why a year and a half ago, we, we sort of had to transition everything. Once we did Pickle Fucker and Bombers, or I'm sorry, in small bottles, it was kind of over. We, we had to do it for everything. And so Blondine got reformatted to four packs, but we still released Bombers here at the brewery for that exact reason. You can lay down a 12-ounce bottle, but no one does that. Yeah. Um, at yeah. some point, the bomber is something that you lay down in your cellar, you pop it out in five to ten years, and you see what it's doing. I think this beer's got a ton of like age on it, uh, or, or ready for a ton of age. So I'm really curious to see what it's going to be like in Hi guys. a decade. We're recording a podcast. You're going to be famous. <laughs> Bye. Speaking, Bye. Speaking of approachable, um, the... I don't know how often this happens in downtown New Braunfels, but there was a, a tattooed woman in a bikini just hanging out. Now she's sitting in the passenger seat of the Mustang across the street. Is this common? Oh. Do people just walk downtown in bikinis all the time? Why do you think I put my brewery here? Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Well, that, he's literally wearing a Speedo on the main street. I mean, that's kind of a given. That's just that's uh, accepted down here. New Braunfels. Cheers to Cheers. that. Cheers to New Braunfels, everybody. Yeah. I'm supposed to go home tonight, but do I have to? <sighs> I don't know. That's that's one of the things we've been debating. I imagine if we wanted to pull this thing up to two other breweries in town, that they I could get Keith to come out for sure. What other two breweries do you have? Guadalupe Brewing Company. You ever okay. had them? We were talking about that today. I haven't had them. Oh, there's one. There's I brought one of their beers in the cooler. Guadalupe, Guadalupe Brewing Company. And I'm I am a little biased because I do like my city, but I'm also one of the harshest critics out there. Guadalupe Brewing Company is one of the best stout makers in the state, in my opinion. If you don't mind residual sugar. They yeah. do have a little bit of sweetness to them. But a I think they do. A little bit, it. I'm good. A lot of it. Uh... Yeah, they're balanced, for sure. And then uh, Five Stones is also in the area. And I, I kind of liken Five Stones to the pure culture version of what we do. They approach fruited beers the same way that we do. Like It's going to be Seth and his two daughters cutting up all the fruit. Maybe the uh, husband, and maybe not the daughter, maybe the daughter will have the husband do it. It's a family affair. They cut up whole fruit. They'll, they even go so far as to grill the pineapple for the pineapple habanero or jalapeno beer they make. Oh, oh really? Nice. It's a humongous pain in the ass. And even Seth's like, dude, it's, it's almost not worth the effort, but that's the beer I want to make, so it's worth the fucking effort. I was about to ask, do you know the actual benefits of grilling it? Because, I mean, if we talk about the base, the pineapple is already fermentable sugars. It's already ready to be mm -hmm. fermented to a point, and to now caramelize and burn some of those sugars off 
what are we getting from that? Are we getting the smoke from that? Are we getting uh, more citric acid with less sh fermentable sugar? That might be a question to ask when we go over there later. But um, the, the short answer is I think there is some smoke and there is definitely caramelization to it. I think the base beer is fairly light and so that a lot of the depth comes from the grilling of the pineapple. But that's been their, that was their flagship beer for the first few years. Good beer. It. Nice. So we'll, we'll take a little bit of a break here, and then the last segment will be the hot tub beers. You're going to bring out, we got Very Seldom Naughty. We have 2017 Very Seldom Naughty, which is Blend 2. Oh, nice. I've now done nine, and so this will be right at the beginning. So we'll introduce that one, and we're going to actually rate a beer on this episode. We're nice. going to rate Veldum, Very Seldom Naughty on, on the podcast. But thanks for sharing that. That was a really nice twist to the podcast, sharing Blondine from 2017 uh, to its evolvement to 2021. Um, very nice transition. I, I really, really did enjoy it. Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to say 2021 is, is the one you want to party with. 2017, you take home to mom. You know, that's that'd be the <laughs> best way to describe it. Yeah, so really, really enjoyed it. Thanks, Carolee, for sharing. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get very seldom naughty. <laughs> well, then I should start recording as well. So here we are. So we're, we're, we're pouring very seldom naughty. All right. So, and we have another guest on the podcast, Alex, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and tell us... Uh, Oh, excuse me, how you job? found New, New Braunfels? Well, yeah, what's your daytime job? What brought you here today, Alex? Well, um, <laughs> so, I used to be, he used to be, I used to be a client of Kelly's, or he used to be a client of mine, I don't know how it works. I used to be, uh, work at the Luxury, and he would bring his New Braunfels, the, the Blanche of New Braunfels beer, his first headlizing. Yo, you had Luke Weiss a lot, too, back then. And we sold uh, okay. a lot of it. That was my best account in San Antonio. Luxury oh, really? Project. Okay, um, <clears throat> so I met him. A long time ago when I was an uh, assistant manager of The Luxury, one of the bartenders over there, assistant okay. manager, and I was selling his beer for him and it sold like crazy. Fast forward 10 years almost, I saw on Facebook he was hiring and I walked in and I was like, you know what, I'm a fan of your beer, I want to work for you because you're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> I remember so, him from back then. We see each yeah. other a lot when I delivered kegs and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I had as, as good a relationship with the bartender as you would anywhere. Like, you know, we'd hang out after work, but you know, I mean, got along. Salesman. And, yeah. I mean, it really is your biggest salesman is all the bartenders. Yeah, and he, and he understood what we were doing. He was cool, and he got feedback from customers where they said it was good, so then he was excited about bringing it in. You know what I mean? It was that kind of relationship. So. And that was cool, and I know you mentioned that earlier, like hiring somebody who's a fan of what you're doing and teaching them the rest. I think that's a really cool concept, man, and and you seem to fit that concept, man. You, you, you're a fan of what Kelly does, and, and so here you are. That's the best salesman in the world to get some. Uh, if you're a fan of what you're doing, everything else is fun, right? You know, I, I wish... I was part of the beer process because like I'm, I'm proud of some of the stuff he makes like the Jose Rosa I'm proud of that at the number nine I'm really proud of that and it's like I wish I was part of that process but you know what I'm here now and I'm selling it and I enjoy it yeah you know, I love doing this I love working for him you know he's he's a character as you can see he's <laughs> never a dull moment you know and his wife is a very they're, they're very generous people you know that's awesome man so Kelly, tell us about what we're drinking right now we're drinking 2021 very seldom naughty correct correct so one of the first barrel-aged beers we did was Sangre Shiba. So it was a dark Weizenbach black beer, 9% or 8% alcohol, aged in a Texas red wine barrel. It was important to me to use Texas red wine and Texas ingredients whenever possible. And William Chris Vineyards, shout out to Chris Mandret, was the first guy that ever gave me a barrel that I was actually at a pickup party for the wine club and I strapped it to the roof of my poor wife's car. Uh, thankfully she sold that one because it still had a dent in it uh, eight years later. And so I asked him, like, hey, Chris, I love what we're doing with the red wine and the dark beer. It's badass, but let's do a white beer and a white wine. And he just laughs. He goes, there's no fucking way I'm going to give you a white wine barrel. I'm like, why? He's like, we don't make enough. Like, once, once a barrel goes red, it stays red. It essentially stains the barrel. You can't make white wine anymore. And he goes, but I will give you uh, Lees. And I go, what the fuck are Lees? And he explained to me. So basically, same concept as like yeast cake in brewing where the sediment comes down you move off of it and that's how you clarify the beer well that sediment still has flavor it's still in the wine world still has wine in it still it's got booze in it it's still got chunks of depending when where you get the process and chunks a lot of it's of grape. grape skin right yeah. early early on it's grape skin gross leaves are more going to be um, yeast stuff or i'm sorry fine leaves are more yeast stuff gross leaves are going to be more like the grape stuff and so this was fine leaves that came out of um a long period of time on barrel aging 
this was actually not from William Chris. These are from um, a different winery up the street, uh, which is a cool place. Eric owns it. Great guys. They make cool stuff. But they don't make a lot of Texas grapes. This is one they did. So this is Viognier, aged in a barrel, and then we got all those leaves and put them in another barrel and racked Blondine on top of it. So same Blondine you tasted first, uh -huh. but racked on top of white wine lees. Um, sediment of white wine essentially for um, about six months yes. and then bottled. So you get wine and blondie. And for the people who don't understand, racked is your secondary fermentation when you essentially re-ferment re it over a keg. Right. We just transferred it together into a barrel. Yeah. On the nose, it's a glass of white wine. To me. I mean, any other interpretations on the nose? Yeah, I think the acid's restrained, but it has that kind of fruitiness. It does. Character. Real smooth and you could drink on a hot summer day. Yeah. Enjoy it. It is, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, even in the back of a, a pickup truck in a blow up pool in the middle of New Braunfels, <laughs> yeah. it, it is it, it, it is really nice, clean, crisp summer beer. But I, I, I you can taste Blondine in it, but the uh, the white wine is, is, is a really nice addition to it. It brings kind of, to me, there's a little bit more dryness to it. Mm -hmm. um, it, and you really get those those white wine flavors. Yeah, well, it's interesting too. I learned, of course, later. But when you drink a quote-unquote buttery Chardonnay, mm -hmm. they get a little bit of that from the oak. But a lot of that's the being aged Sir Lees, where there's the lees that we just put in this beer yeah. stay in the barrel with the wine, and it keeps that contact. And so that adds mouthfeel. It adds that kind of rounded note to it. I wouldn't say there's butter in this, but it has that different character. That aging Sir Lees will give it to it. So, would you say that this has the malolactic fermentation that creates that kind of that feel, that that consistency? Well, so, so malolactic fermentation is when you take the residual acid that comes from the grape and make it into lactic, yeah. which is what our yeast kind or our bacteria does, anyways. Yeah. So it has that same like, it's wine with lactic acid versus malic acid. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you get a lot of that same characteristic where if you, under, if you understand and can, understand and can feel what malolactic fermentation does, you're getting the same notes here, for sure. And so this isn't something that's commonly done. We, we see, I don't, I don't know, there's, there's an untitled art in the shop that does with some Sauvignon Blanc grapes. There mm -hmm. was, uh, Clown Shoes did one called uh, Escaping Atlantis. Have you had that one? I have not. It was Chardonnay. Uh, there was an Anchorage one that we tasted in the shop the other day. It was, it had something called Phantasm Powder. Have you heard of this shit? <laughs> no. It's Phantasm okay, Powder. Okay, so I looked this up. This that sounds is, like an organism. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was ground up white grape skins from New Zealand. Maybe dried leaves essentially or something? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, but white wine isn't something that we're commonly seeing. You think it's primarily because this is at a premium because once it goes red, you can't bring it back. They need to preserve the white wine barrels, or are well, these flavors not not combined with beer very well? Or you can still get um, white wine lees out of a stainless steel tank. So even if guys aren't barrel aging it, mm -hmm. uh, what's left behind in their tanks will be. Um, unfortunately, what a lot of guys in the wine world use the Latina tanks are what we would call bright tanks. So they don't have a cone bottom, which is a real easy way to just take the sediment and rack it into something else, yeah. um, it's tough to get a lot of that sediment back out of a cone or a flat bottom. So that's maybe part of it. And then another part of it is it, it's relationship oriented because these guys dump the shit out. Um, the winemakers don't use it. It's in the way. The winemakers are working all fucking day. This is the last thing they got to do is clean the tank out. The last thing they want to do is scoop some shit into a bucket for you. Um, yeah. yeah. So it takes really like making some friends, hanging out out there. I used to literally go to the Texas wine country at least once a month um, to quote-unquote work, which meant drink all day and like you know <laughs> drop off beer, yeah. um, schmooze people, find out what's coming in the next harvest, um, and make plans like okay if you're gonna get X amount of Blanc de Bois grapes, how to what how does that flavor pair with my want my beer and and which barrel would make sense and then make a plan for it right. and then it would fall through and I have to have a backup plan and you just, it's always it's a big it's a pain in the ass yeah. to work with. And, and what you'll see now in the later ones, this is blend two. Okay. Blend nine just came out. So blends seven, eight, and nine all use white wine pomace, which is a little easier to get because it's like, it's what they, when they first press the grapes off, that's what's left behind. Okay. So the timeline's a little easier to manage as well. Uh, but you have to have a bigger bin to use it. It's, it's 
harder to work with, but it's easier to get. And so we're going to slowly move towards the uh, judgmental part of the podcast, right? <laughs> so we, uh, we, we really, the first two segments of this episode were, it were, were a lot of fun, was actually looking at how that your base beer aged from 2017 till 2021, the, how it evolved, how it worked um, in the bottle. And now we're looking at this beer, which is completely different. Well, not completely different. We still got some base blondine, but different flavors that we're going to get out of it. And we're going to rate it. Now, Alex, I know you're new. Okay, so we're, we're really pushing for the industry standard here on Hot Tub Beers. Like in Hot Tub Beers, we, we, we're, uh, I guess it's uh, being pretentious, but tongue-in-cheek. But I'm going to tell you my tongue isn't in my cheek. I'm going to be I'm Neither is Jake's anytime I've seen you. So yeah. I don't know with a borderline of satirical or pretentious, like is that where we're one of the one of the two? Like we think we're better than everybody else, but also melodramatic a little bit. Maybe yeah, but, so. Yeah. I, I have to agree with melodramatic. I don't actually find myself to be anywhere close to the top at all. But melodramatic. I'm gonna say that's, I that's am. The way, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say that Jake. Jake can be humble. I'm better than everybody else. So we're gonna rank <laughs> on uh, on a scale of one to four, right? And so we're pushing one to four to be the industry standard because. Um, obviously, it's better because we created it. But the infinite, the decimals are infinite. 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 So thousands, you can you can create thousands. you can create any rating you want from this beer as long as it's from 0.0 to 4.0. Okay. So I'm gonna make Jake go first. Okay. On, on this one, or are we starting to on this one. No, no, no. no. On I'm this gonna, one. Yeah, this one. No, no. This is the only one we're rating. So the the other two we're just looking at as far as you know how they changed, how they evolved, and highlighting the uh, how not to start a damn brewery podcast. This is the hot tub beer segment. So th- this is where we're going to get a little bit judgy. So I want you to rate this. Because we don't talk any shit in my podcast at all. <laughs> that, that seems to be our common bond here. Is we're all completely comfortable with talking as much shit as possible. So you, you tell me on a scale of 1 to 4, Jake, is this beer the perfect beer, 4.0, to sit in a pool in the back of a truck in the middle of New Braunfels on a hot summer day, or is this a one? You're not going to even share it with your friends. So, or maybe share it with if y'all know, you I've, I have been Kelly's most critical reviewer since the very beginning. Which I like. Yeah, most I, critical without a doubt. What an uh, asshole. I think I've actually gone down to the ones on yours. I'm sorry, but not sorry. I'm honest. Um, you, you did on Blondine's packaging, I think, remember right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm hypercritical about yeah. marketing. Uh, for this one, I have to say, I will happily give this a Or is that my imagination? It is. It is a man to pull up on a motorcycle. Uh, but he's he's not in a speedo or bikini. Um, but tank top, so we're not far off. <laughs> he's in, yeah, he is in a tank top. I, you know, looking looking at this beer, I, if if I'm gonna rate it on one four, Jake, I'm, I'm I'm really close to you. I, I may uh, I'm gonna go three point eight nine seven six two. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna right go. Yeah, I'm gonna go right up there. I this is. I really do enjoy the the white wine characteristics of it paired with Blondine. I think those two really fit well together. And sitting in the back of the truck, tasting it, it is a very nice sipping beer. I don't know if I'm going to come back and slam a ton of these, but do I enjoy sitting this, sitting in the back of the truck and sipping this? Yeah, I could sip it slow all day long. I don't know how much I'd get through, 
but I can sip this slow all day long because the flavor profile is is amazing, which is kind of the, the, the fun of what you're doing here at New Braunfels. There's, there's a million and one flavor That's profiles that you're going through. Yes. In downtown New Braunfels, we have had uh, girls in nude leopard print bikinis. Yep. Um, we, Austin Powers trying to park his truck. Austin, but yeah, we did have an underwear photo shoot here just a minute ago. Yeah, uh, true, yeah, true. which we should see on Instagram. Um, and then, then uh, we got uh, tank top guy in his motorcycle revving up. To and clarify, up. not a road motorcycle. No, 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 because yeah, yeah. that would have made sense. It maybe, was a dirt bike, right? Dirt bike, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cheers to New Braunfels. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, man, we might have to make this more regular. Uh, yes, yeah. sir. I'm in. So, Alex. You're, you're up next. Okay, so you, you get to rate for the first time ever on Hot Tub Beers. You might become famous after this. Um, I hope so. Yeah, well, I'm it's the beginning know. of the end, right? It's I called the hot <laughs> I work for myself, and I call that bougie. Oh, you call that bougie? <laughs> it's, it's called, we call it the Hot Tub Beers effect. Nice. Um, so, on a scale of one to four, now I realize your boss is sitting right over here next to you in a Speedo. Um, so, I, I don't want you, I want you to imagine... He's not there. I want you to tell us what you possibly think of this beer. Or maybe or he's in a Speedo somewhere else. I would hurt his feelings, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I love This is a good work relationship. So That's, tell us, on a scale of one to four, four is this is perfect. I need it every single day while I'm sitting outside in the sun in, uh, in the pool. Or one, I'm not going to give this to my friends. Where is this at for you? So absolutely, I have given this to my friends. Oh, nice. Last okay. weekend, uh, July 4th weekend, we're on the lake, Kenny Lake. I, I bought a few of these bottles out and we're trying them and um, this was the one that everybody liked and um, nobody said anybody about this one. Yeah. If I didn't about know him, yeah, I didn't know right. him. <laughs> if I know just quite about sours and my first time with a sour, I would probably rate it as a 3.5 but now that I have experience, I'm new, I'm experiencing sours, I'm learning things, yeah. I give it a 3.9 all yep. the way. Nice. All the way. Absolutely. Nice. And that's not being biased because he knows, I'll tell him I don't like it. I'll tell him to say, I don't like it, but this one I'll I do like. Tell his face. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm honest about his it. back like I normally I'll say do. it in yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. But this one's good. Absolutely. That's yeah. badass. All right, so, all right, Kelly, you invented this, right, to where you were going to rate this as how close to what you wanted it to come out. So, invented might be a bit of a bold word, but yes. No, point. we use that word I, I was the first the person to do it. Uh, pioneered it, maybe. Pioneered. <laughs> pioneered, invented, no, I mean, potato, yeah. potato. So we got we got Jake over here who invented Third Coast IPA. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 I literally right. yeah. invented it myself. We are we're pioneers here on the podcast. Nobody, we can claim whatever the fuck we want. So Kelly, ah. with the the I invented system. doggy style then. Oh, son <laughs> hey, of a bitch! It's on the internet. It's officially here. <laughs> Just so y'all know, Lindsay's face is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> reaction, facial reaction. I, I didn't say I mastered it. I said I invented it. <laughs> No uh, well, you just keep practicing, sir. And, you know, all things come with practice. So tell us, how close is this to what you wanted it to be on a 4.0 scale? So I'm going to give this a 3.6. Only because when I initially set out to make the beer, I didn't set out to make it um, as kind of like mouth, the mouthfeel is quite as heavy, which is one of the things that Jake likes about it. So I'm not taking that away from it. But I wanted it lighter and yeah. more delicate. I want to so, fill a full mouth. I think it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you invent, Jake? Uh, Third what? Coast IPA and Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Be careful, the internet's listening. Oh. Um, anyways, I think it's a fantastic beer. I really like it and I'm proud of it, which is why I pulled it out of the cellar. I knew it. But I think if you try a blend nine, you would see the difference of what I, I was actually yeah, going yeah. for. So podcasting right yeah. now. Nice. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I want to say thank you for having us out, for putting us in a prime location. We're in the middle of downtown New Braunfels. Everybody's seeing the podcast uh, that's going by. Uh, this is amazing. Thank you, Alex, for dropping in on the last segment. And so in August is when your podcast is going to drop, correct, Kelly? Correct. Uh, to coordinate with the release of the second edition of the book. Okay. So second in, second edition of the book is going to come out. Then we're going to coordinate that with the How to Not Start a Damn Brewery podcast. This is all going to go out. Uh, we will release this prior. So uh, if you're listening, all uh, four of our listener supporters and seven. Seven? Yeah. Seven if, if you have links, oh, I'll have some digital stuff they can link to. Oh, yeah, yeah, to. yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. we need to send this all out. But I'm talking about people that donate money per month. Oh, yeah, there's four of them. And they're yeah, badasses. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Total badasses. Patreon? Eight? I would... 
no, no, no. It's that's straight through Anchor. Fans. No shit. Yeah, straight nice. through Anchor, yeah. Eight ninety six a month, we're fucking grossing. You got, like, fucking fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, this is hardcore. I'm just an asshole that makes beer. Can we but... name their names? Because I don't remember. I've never, I've only met Cheryl, Dawn, Amy, and Sally. Cheryl, Don, Amy, and Sally, so I would like to let we, you know we're that trending in the women category. I am daring them right now on this show that they need to have an episode with y'all in the, in the hot tub together. Okay, so they... they the, like the, a Patreon, like a supporter-only show. The, the Manhattan Project. Missed that was a supporter we did it. show. There was a supporter show. The only one that wasn't a supporter at that point was Cheryl, so she missed out. Ah. Is it safe to say that we're willing to at least attempt to get all of our subscription uh, supporters in the hot tub with oh, us. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So if you yeah. subscribe... It's a big-ass hot tub at some point. We yeah. We are... It'll bleed gonna, out to the pool. We will attempt to get you on, on the episode. We should get our passerby to make a comment. I don't uh, know... Okay. I don't know who this is. Just, I don't know who it is either. Can, Come can on in, sir. Can you on real quick? Are you, Come on are in. you uh, microphone shy? No. <laughs> Why did you name? stop again? What do you guess? We're just wondering what in the world's going on. Because you were just driving by in downtown minding your own business? Actually, I left my credit card yesterday at McAdoo, so... Oh, good night. That kind of fun night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got gotcha. you. Yeah, dumb things happen. <laughs> so this is the Hot Tub Beers podcast, yeah. as well as the How Not the Sour Damn Brewery podcast. Have it, you tried New Braunfels Brewing Company's beer before? Right. Yeah, it's been a, been a bit, but you know, I get around some. Yeah. But why has it been a bit? Well, on the workout kick, man. Try not to drink beer anymore. I so I started this new workout program where I ride my bike to the brewery yeah. and then drink beer and ride my bike home. <laughs> Is that go. something you'd consider? We should put a bench press in the back. You ride, you drive oh, here, fuck. drink beer, bench press here, and then drive home. Another innovation on the yeah. Hot Tub Beer Podcast. And I, and I do have to say, Alex coined it earlier, this is the healthy beer. <laughs> this, is, oh, yeah, yeah. this is the healthy this, version of beer. Yeah. Any beer is healthy beer. Well, but specifically this beer. Specifically this beer. Yeah. Probiotics. These probiotics into some of this uh, bacteria and, um, and the yeast. As a result, you're not getting that bloated feeling. You're not gaining weight. Yeah. This is where it's at. I there you go. To sours and I, like, put, I got a, I got a fresh bottle of kombucha from the fa- nice. farmer's market earlier, and I put whiskey in that now and then. Yeah. That's Stand literally up. the same thing that we make. We yeah. Our yeah. culture is the same as a kombucha culture. You're fine. Thank you. Do you like beer here or what? Yeah, right. Nice. nice. Good deal. And we're drinking it out here, apparently. That's it. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you again. Hey, tell me your name again. I'm Brian. Brian. Brian Murphy. Brian, Brian Murphy. Murphy. Brian the Thank you for stopping in, Brian yeah, Mur- yeah, Brian Murphy. In town. You guys are in town, too? Or? We're in town to do a podcast, and then... Uh, we're in Houston. So you're Houston. Yeah, we're traveling. We're going to attempt to drive home today. You're outsiders. That's our stick. We're outside Outsiders. Auslanders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm an insider and I let them in so they're with me I vouch oh. for them oh there we go <laughs> stop letting all these California people in though man oh, they're not California Jake looks like it a little bit but he's not <laughs> cool man hey it's nice to meet you guys yeah it's nice to meet you have a good one man cool. I'll let you take pictures of my dogs we got some French, French bulldogs in here oh that's uh, awesome that's first awesome. time around downtown alright y'all take care have good to see you brother man so find us like us support us uh Sign up on the on the link. It's on the bio every time to support us uh, to donate monthly. Uh, keep on the lookout for how not to start a damn brewery. Find us on Instagram. Find New Braunfels Brewing Company on Instagram. Uh, Kelly, you might be the uh, the brewery owner, brewer, sales rep, anything in all categories that has the most episodes on Hot Tub Beers. So yeah. uh, you're the you're the unofficial brewery of Hot Tub Beers. Whoa. So yeah, yeah. yeah I'm gonna go ahead and name that's, it out that's loud. A, that's Cheers. a heavy anointing right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad to be that. So congrats to that. Um, And until next time, happy hot tub drinking.